right, guys, we're going to jump into the message here. Always like when y'all talk to each other, though. This is great. Hey, again, if I haven't met you, my name is Mitchell, and I am the lead pastor here. Thanks for coming this morning. Worship was awesome. Let's give it up for the worship team one more time. Way to go, guys. Awesome. Thank you for serving us in that way by helping us connect with God. It's so rich every Sunday, so thank y'all. Um, if I haven't met you, then please stop by the Next Steps area after the service. would love to shake your hand and say thanks for coming. Even if you've been around a few weeks and I still haven't met you, just come stop by. We'd love to meet you before you leave. Um, we are um, in this series. I'm going to jump right into it, but it's, we are, in pri- what is this, week six? Woo! Been going for several weeks here on this series called Prioritizing His Presence. This whole series has been about making, in 2024, making being with God. So that's what I mean by his presence, being with him, connecting with him, making that our top priority this year. And a lot of what we've been talking about is in our private kind of time with Jesus, our alone time. Our hope is that every single one of you guys, especially as you're around here longer and longer, is that we start our days meeting with God through talking to him, praying, journaling, worshiping, reading the Bible. How many of you guys would consider yourself not a morning person? Anybody? Come on, raise your hand. Great. Hey, so you can spend, thankfully, you can spend time with God any part of the day. And, um, I mean, I would encourage you, to, you know, at least at least a few whispers. Lord, help me. I need you. Oh, wake me up today. Oh, you know, do something in the morning. But, you know, you can spend time with God any any part of your day. But we want that to make a be the top priority for us. And the prayer I've been praying is that we this year would have consistent and enjoyable times with the Lord. Anybody still want me to pray that for you? I'm going to anyways, but it's good to know you want it. Um, so through this series, I've been giving you some different tools and some helpful, hopefully some helpful things on how to connect with the Lord personally. But also, we want to talk about not just in the individual connection with God, but corporately together, what are some different expressions to prioritize God's presence. So last week, we talked about the power of corporate worship, these times where we're gathering um, as the church to worship. Uh, but this morning, I'm going to talk about another corporate expression, and that is fasting and prayer. So fasting and prayer is what I'm going to talk about. You guys are excited. I love it. So we are about to embark on a three-day fast as a church starting tomorrow. If you're unaware of that, uh, we're going to do it tomorrow and then Tuesday and Wednesday. And for some of you guys, this is not too abnormal. Some of you guys have been around Antioch for a while. We do this at least once a year. Some of you guys that are newer, which is like over half you guys, maybe you've never been invited into like a church-wide fast in prayer. But really, this is an awesome opportunity to stretch yourself. It's an awesome new way for a lot of us to engage with the Lord. It's a really amazing tool. Yes, it's difficult at times. But it really is a sweet invitation from God to just love him in a fresh way or be challenged in a fresh way or be stretched in a fresh way. And really want to invite you guys into joining us. What this particular fast is, is we're actually, it's, it's kind of spearheaded by all of the international teams that are around the world within the Antioch movement. And again, if you're new here, we are not just one local church. We're part of a family of churches in the United States, but also all over the world. And this fast is actually kind of called by the folks that are on the mission field outside of the United States. And I love that. I love that they're leading the charge in this and inviting us U.S. churches in. Um, because, you know, honestly, we have it a lot easier than a lot of places in the world. Do you guys know that? And the way that we can gather like this and the way that our, our expression of Christianity looks in America, it's a lot easier. 
um, but I love that they're challenging us and pushing us in the place of prayer and fasting. Um, and really what we're believing God for is a lot of things, but we are believing God for breakthrough in this generation. Have you guys noticed that this generation needs Jesus? <laughs> um, and really, there are things that, of course, we can do to help, whether it's sharing our faith, serving people, making disciples, things we talk about all the time. But at the end of the day, we do not have power to change a human heart. You guys know that? Only God can. And it's in this place of prayer, especially when you throw fasting in there, this place of I am offering like nothing. <laughs> I am <laughs> emptying myself. This is our gr one of the greatest ways we can tell God, like, we can't do it, Lord. You must break through. You must come. You must move in the hearts of people. And so that's just a little bit of the heart of what this fast is all about. The way we'll do it is we'll break it up into three different things, and we'll actually have a chance to pray over those things at the end of the service. We're going to be spending Monday praying over our church and the specific things that we feel like God's speaking over our church this year. Then on Tuesday, we're going to join in with what God's doing all over the nations of the earth, the Antioch movement, and pray over some prayer points that they've asked us for. And then on the third day, on Wednesday, we're going to cry out to God for revival in northwest Arkansas. Does anybody besides me care about God pouring out his spirit in this region? You want to see God move? Yes. You want to see revival in college campuses, college students? Yes. I and mean, what if the greatest revival that northwest Arkansas has ever seen has not come yet, but it is coming? That thousands of people will come into God's kingdom that don't know him right now. What, what if? I have faith for that. Um, but no move of God ever happen without the people of God praying first and seeking him. And so anyway, so we're going to be uh, believe for that. I'm, I'm excited to jump in with you guys. So let, what I want to do is teach a little bit on fasting. And the way I want to do that is I want to give you this resource. So if you could pull out your phone real quick, there's a QR code that I'm going to be going through a resource with you guys. It'll be probably really helpful for you if you follow along on your phone. We didn't print it out for you guys. But um, if you could scan that, that would be awesome. And you will find a, a resource. Um, it's called either Fasting and Prayer or Fasting Resource. Uh, why don't you somebody holler at me if it, it worked on your phone? Great, great. So this is honestly such a helpful resource. And I, I mean, I have the printed version right here because I'm going to be going over it. Um, it talks about almost every reference in the Bible, not every, but almost every reference in the Bible about fasting. And what you'll notice as you look over this resource, especially if you were to dive into each of these passages, it is a common theme practiced by the people of God through Old and New Testament. OK, so it might be new for us, but it, it's not. Uh, new to the Bible. <laughs> it's not new to followers of Jesus in the Bible. You tracking with me? That statement honestly has been, it's so simple, but it's so helpful. Like it might be new to me, but it's not new to believers for thousands of years that have been following the Lord. Okay, and so let me just walk through this because I want you to see a couple things. And if you're following along on that resource on your phone, I'm going to read that initial kind of summary paragraph, and then I'll highlight a couple things on here. So here we go. It says, fasting in the Bible follows a few well-worn patterns. Overall, Fasting is a part of a process of humanity humbling itself before Almighty God as part of the action of repentance from sin or accompanying prayer for God's divine intervention. People who fasted when in the uh, people also fasted in the presence of God and while mourning loss. God is clear that his idea of fasting is more about the posture of the heart, like desiring justice, mercy, and submission, than about just our outward action. In the New Testament, also fasting was accompanied by big ministry decisions that impacted people's lives and the appointment of elders and sending of missionaries. And throughout this resource, there's several different themes. Why don't you just keep tracking along here? 
You'll see that uh, people fasted while in the presence of God, receiving a word from him. There's an example of Moses and Daniel in that theme. Another one is people fasted for breakthrough and protection against an enemy. I think most of us are probably familiar with the story of Esther. Yes, our kids ministry just finished going through or maybe is about to finish going through the story of Esther. And you see that there is an evil plan against uh, the, the Jewish people. But Esther prayed and fasted and um, and God heard and answered and responded, and protected God's people. It's amazing. Another theme you'll see throughout scripture is fasting as a part of the mourning process, maybe mourning over the death of someone or mourning over your own sin. And then also fasting is joined with a, as a part of intercession and several examples there. But I want to reference that in Matthew 17, 21, Jesus referred to a demon being cast out. And he said, the only way that this comes out is by prayer and fasting, which is a unique statement of Jesus. Okay, a couple more. Um, fasting is also a response to rebuke or part of the repentance process. And let me comment on this. I, I'm. I scroll down to maybe the fifth or sixth point on that theme where it says Daniel fasts, prays, and repents on behalf of his nation. Let me just pause for a second here. You know, when it comes to fasting, this is, this is a personal spiritual discipline, but there is a corporate expression. That's why I'm joining it today in a corporate kind of fast and prayer we're about to do. And God, like fasting is more than just about us and what I'm going to get out of it. You guys tracking with me? Daniel was willing as a believer in, in representing his nation, leader in his nation, he said, I want God's will to be done in my nation. Now, I don't know about you guys, but my hope in my nation, and zooming in to Northwest Arkansas, man, I want God's will to be done here. Do you guys know that America needs revival and needs awakening? Yes. And, and there is so much going on in our nation that is dishonoring to the Lord. And it's been true for hundreds of years, but there just seems to be more and more escalating things in our nation. And man, what if the people of God, not just for themselves, but on behalf of their nation, cried out to God for mercy? Like what could happen? And I want to invite us into that, especially 2024 being an election year. You know, this is a year where, man, I, I at least at least within the church, that what happened in 2020 doesn't happen again, that we're not fighting one another because of all of our difference of, of opinions and, and beliefs and all that stuff. But this is a year we're turning toward each other in love and honor and respect and humility. But, you know, it takes us praying and, and bringing our heart before the Lord and posturing ourselves in humility to get that result. Is that making sense? You guys want like a disastrous election year? No? Okay. <laughs> I didn't think so. Um, but, it, you know, it takes intentionality for us to humble ourselves before the Lord, learn to humble ourselves before one another. And I want God to prepare us for that. All right. If, um, if you're, you're, there's a second page to that, if you're following along with me. Um, a couple other more um, New Testament examples you'll see at the top of the second page here. It's this uh, lady named Anna who prayed and fasted night and day in the temple waiting for the Messiah to come. You see prophets and teachers ministering to the Lord with prayer and fasting. And then they heard the Lord while they were praying and fasting speak to them about sending out certain missionaries, Paul and Barnabas, which are familiar names if you've been in the church for a little bit. And then also you see that example of um, appointing elders in the new church through prayer and fasting. A couple of practical things, and then I'm going to show you a couple things that Jesus said about fasting. A couple of practical things that you'll see on here. Um, you want to begin the fast with faith that it will have an effect, and then walk by faith throughout the process. If you're fasting for any longer than one meal, you will experience physical discomfort, okay? And so starting off in faith will help you when you start to feel those discomforts just seeing those as an opportunity to lean in and become desperate for God. 
Uh, you want to also plan ahead. You want to look at your schedule and make sure you um, schedule out times of prayer and reading the Bible a little bit more and worshiping together. That's why we're offering, I guess it's six total kind of prayer and worship times this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 6 a.m. and noon um, in the prayer room here. And then Wednesday night, we're going to kind of break the fast as a life group. So just talk to your life group leaders about how you guys are doing that. But look for opportunities to gather with the people of God during a fast. It's so helpful. keeps you in vision. keeps you motivated. Um, and then also a couple other things would be um, not only have a specific purpose, but be clear with what you're even fasting from. And then ask some or tell somebody what you plan on doing for accountability's sake. Instead of like, ah, I'll just see how I feel halfway through Monday or when I wake up on Tuesday and then then I'll decide what I'm fasting. Listen, I've tried that a few times. You know what happens? I eat every time because that's what I'm feeling to do. <laughs> okay, so just pre-decide what you plan on doing. Tell somebody for just accountability's sake because uh, it'll help you have a more successful fast. And you know what I love about fasting is it just you just build some memories with God, just some funny stories, some times where uh, when I started fasting for the first time and trying to make it regular, I was, it was just, it was funny. I, you know, anybody been to Smoothie King before? You know, my favorite smoothie there is called the Hulk. And it has almost 2,000 calories. So on my first few years of learning how to fast, maybe not years, first few times of trying how to, <laughs> trying to fast, I would get like at least one, maybe two Hulks on my fasting day. And I'm like having 4,000 calories. Like this is ridiculous. This is not fasting. But I was like, it's not solid food. It's, this counts, right? Anyways. Just, I mean, you just laugh at these things. Um, and then, you know, one, one cool thing about fasting is it helps you really appreciate food, you know, just any kind of food. Um, it's like, man, I never thought salad tasted or thought, or like, felt so good to eat until I fasted. Um, so anyways, let me give you a couple things about fasting from the words of Jesus. You guys okay? You tracking with me? I know it's kind of practical teaching you here. Uh, but I do want you to understand what you'd be entering into and just make sure you know it has a really clear biblical precedent. And it's, a, it's an invitation from the Lord. And I don't want any of you to feel obligated or pressured to fast, feel bad about it if you don't or if you don't do it all the way. I just want you to feel the Lord extending an invitation like, hey, t try me in this. You know, take a step of faith here to see what I might do with this new version of seeking me. Uh, but here's a couple things. Jesus on fasting. You ready? Three things that he did that just helps me engage myself. One is on the screen. You can take a picture of this. I might not look at all those verses. One, Jesus modeled it. You guys know he fasted and prayed for 40 days. What I love about that passage is it said, Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 uh, days and 40 nights, and afterward, he was hungry. <laughs> That's what Matthew 4, 1 and 2 says. I just love the humanity of Jesus there. Okay? Not only did he model it for us, but he taught us how to fast, specifically, like, what's the posture of our heart in fasting? Okay? And specifically in that verse, he's saying, hey, when you fast, don't just, you know, like blow a trumpet and try to look all super spiritual and look at what I'm doing. Of course, this one is a together, so there's a, an awareness of what we know. But we're not doing it to look spiritual. You guys understand that heart? That is really important. And I can't, you know, control the what's going on in your heart through this fast. But let me just admonish you. We don't do this to look or be more spiritual than others. We do this as a way to humble ourselves before God and God alone. And Jesus was clear that, hey, when you fast, everybody say when, because he does say when you fast, don't do it to be seen by others. Do it before the Lord. Do it with a pure and genuine heart, believing that I hear you and I see you and that I'm listening to you as you pray for different things. And last but not least, he said that we would fast. 
Let's, let's go. I'm going to read that verse, Matthew 9, 14 and 15. It says this. When he was, he was questioned about fasting, and look at what his response was. The disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taking away from them, and then they will fast. Everybody say that again. Say, they will fast. It's a, that's a strong statement, but the they that he's referring to are his disciples, his followers. You definitely see that in the 12 disciples. Um, after his resurrection, they fasted. But I think that very clearly continues on to his disciples till today, 2024. They will fast. And it's a different type of fasting. We're not earning anything. We're not, we're not just doing it to be like religious. We're, we, we miss Jesus. That's the context of this passage. He's like, hey, I'm with them right now. This is a this three and a half years I've been doing ministry. This is a time to celebrate. It's the year of the Lord's favor. This is a feasting time. But I am going to leave, and they are going to miss me. They're going to miss me so much that they're going to fast and pray and ask for my spirit to be poured out, ask for my return, ask for me to come and intervene in the earth. And, man, I, I just I feel that as well as I'm, as I'm getting closer and closer to the Lord and as I'm, I'm walking with him over the years. It's like there's something about this tool, this opportunity of fasting that just awakens that desire in me and say, things are not right on the earth without you, Jesus. You must come. You must come. That ultimate fulfillment of that cry is he will come again in person. Amen? Anybody excited for his return? But we also want him to come like here and now by his spirit, awakening people to himself, touching us and ministering to us. So that is a little bit more of the heart of fasting. All right, so I already told you a little bit of what we are praying for, um, but just another reminder of why we're doing this. Um, it's because we don't want to forsake this biblical tool and gift that stretches us. It increases our intimacy with the Lord. It matures us and it forms us spiritually, and we learn how to really enter in into intercession, praying on behalf of a people or a nation or a group, and I'll talk about intercession just a little bit. And then, like I said, there's three things we're mainly praying for, our church and the Antioch movement and our region. And then side note, it's always great during a fast, even if there's some big prayer points we're praying for, to throw in a couple things very personally that you either need breakthrough in yourself or maybe something you're trying to get some clarity or direction on from God. And so I want to encourage you to throw that in there in this three-day fast, even though we're interceding for a lot of big-picture stuff. And here's what I'll do before I close out this kind of fasting portion and start talking about intercession and prayer a little bit. Um, we're going to put a song on for maybe just one or two minutes, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to pause and just take a minute to talk to God about this fast that we're about to enter into, and just um, listen to him and, like, soberly think about how can I engage in this fast? Like, what could this fast look like for me? You can say, I'm going to go all three days, or you can say, I'm going to do I'm gonna do at least one day full fast, or I'm going to fast lunch each of these three days, or, you know, what, whatever. I, honestly, I don't, it's not about exactly how you do it. I just would love, honestly, for 100% participation, whatever that participation looks like, is that we're leaning in together as a church family these next few days praying. Okay, so right now, just go ahead and turn your attention to the Lord. Just listen to him, and I would encourage you to write down or type down what you plan on doing. That way you can text it to a friend later and say, hey, hold me accountable. All right, ready, set, go. Start talking to God, listen to him about this fast.
right, Lord, thank you so much for what you're bringing to our hearts and our minds. Just give us grace to be faithful, uh, even on a weakness, that we just would be carried by you these next few days. And that, Lord, this you would use this fast to mark us in a fresh way as a church family. And Lord, not just for our benefit, but Lord, we as we're crying out for people around the nations of the earth, people in our own region to know you and encounter you. God, we ask that you truly would would hear and would respond to us these next few days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. All right. Well, hey, let me shift gears, and I want to talk a little bit about prayer. And I don't think you're going to be surprised by this, but fasting and prayer go hand in hand. And here's another way I'm going to say it. Fasting, honestly, is meaningless without prayer. There, did you guys know there's a difference between fasting and not eating? Because you can just not eat. You're like, I don't know, some people, like Larry, Larry I'm just going to call out Larry for a second. I don't understand his eating habits. I'm like, dude, it's lunchtime, but it, it, and he's not eating. And then it's like gets to 4 o'clock right before he's about to go home and have dinner with his family. He's eating lunch. I'm like, what are you doing? Man? He just kind of forgot. Kind of got carried away in this day. And just, you know, just some of you, you like to forget to eat or whatever. That's not actually fasting, okay? There's a difference between fasting and not eating. And the, the game changer is just intentional time with the Lord in prayer. That's what, um, like, fasting makes it powerful because you guys know that the world religions, most of them fast. But you know what's different about ours? We are praying to the living God that hears, that responds, that can do something, that has all authority in heaven and earth. That's what makes this a lot different. It's not just a religious Eastern practice. This is we are talking to God Almighty that has all power in heaven and earth. And it's prayer is what connects us to him. And um, you guys, I, I showed you these two slides uh, several weeks ago, um, but I just want you to, to see how the early church, this was so central to what the early church did as they gathered together to pray. In fact, it was more, uh, like more than gathering to hear messages, more than gathering for service projects, more than gathering for Bible studies. The early church gathered together to pray. And you'll, there's a several examples here um, all throughout the book of Acts. Just looked at maybe the first few chapters. And there's so many times where um, the first things that the disciples devoted themselves to was praying. Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. They were gathering, worshiping, praying, seeking God. First miracle in Acts 3 happened on the way to the hour of prayer. And then after Peter and John got arrested, the church immediately gathered to pray. I think there's another slide that has several more examples of, of the church fervently praying um, for uh, deliverance, that third one from Peter when he was in prison. So there's so many examples of them gathering together, and it seemed to be a central part of what the church did. Why don't you turn, if you've got your Bible, to 1 Timothy 2, because I'm going to look at this passage um, because I just I see a really clear exhortation from uh, Paul here that I think we can really learn a lot from. So 1 Timothy 2, um, 1 through 4, we're going to kind of spend a little bit of time on this one, unpacking it. I always like when you all turn there uh, with your Bible, but it will also be on the screen. But 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, if you're there, say I'm there. Awesome, there we go. So here's what it says, and again, remember, this is Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy was an appointed uh, pastor and leader of this church, and Paul was telling him lots of different things and giving him some exhortations, giving him some instruction to help him out. And um, here's one of them that comes in the very beginning of chapter 2. He says this, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, 
for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Awesome passage. Why don't you keep it up there just for a few more minutes. Look at the very, very first one-liner of this exhortation. Paul says, first of all. Everybody say, first of all. He also throws the word urge in there, like this, this urge. What he is saying is, I want this to be a top priority for you, Timothy, and for the church that you're leading. Like, this is of utmost importance. There is an urgency to it that the people of God, that this church that you're establishing, it, there is an urgency to make sure that you are grounded and rooted in the place of prayer. It says, first of all, make it the, the biggest thing, more than how excited you'll get about going on mission trips, more than how excited you'll get about serving somebody, more than how excited you'll get about Bible studies. Obviously, all those things are great. But he said, first of all, be committed to this place of prayer. Then it lists a couple types of prayer. It says supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving, be made for all people. Now, I don't think the point is to differentiate between all of those different types. I think maybe the point could be there are different forms of prayer. You guys know that? Here's a couple examples. I mean, they're listed on here. Thanksgiving is a form of prayer. When you say, thank you, God, for blank, you are praying. Yes? Uh, there's prayers that are more like specific requests or supplications, like, Lord, I need breakthrough in my finances. Or, Lord, can you please help my grandpa who's sick? Lord, would you comfort? You know, those are like petitions and supplications. You guys tracking? There's also, I like to call it fellowship prayers, where I'm just just hanging out with God. There's not much I'm asking him for or seeking him about. I'm just, Lord, what's on your heart today? How are you doing? How am I doing? What's going on? You know, just these, these little whispers you can have with the Lord. There's lots of different types of prayer. And then intercession is another type on there that we are going to dive into in just a couple minutes. And then one thing I also want you to see is look at verse 4, very end. And what do you notice about God's heart? He desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He desires, he wants, he loves his creation so much that he wants everybody close to him and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, just here's a little doctrinal uh, clarity here. Does everybody respond to the loving arms of Jesus and just embraces him? No. Though God's heart is for every single person, and I believe that everyone can have an opportunity to respond to him. Not everybody does, but it's clear that this is God's heart. His heart is beating with desire for people to get saved. And I love that this is at the end of this little passage about prayer because, guys, guess what happens when you build prayer into your consistency? You get more of God's heart. He puts his heart inside of you. Actually, that's a great prayer this week. It's a simple one-liner. Lord, as I'm fasting and praying, would you give me more of your heart? And think about verses like this. He's urging the church to pray and intercede for kings and leaders and all sorts of things. But then you see this, this desire of God. And when we start praying and connecting our hearts with the Lord, we start caring a lot more about people giving their life to Jesus. We start caring a lot more about God encountering people. We start caring a lot more about God invading cities with his presence and his love and his power and bringing people in to his kingdom. Amen? That's been something that I've been so thankful for. My passion and my zeal has been increasing for people to come to the Lord. And then when I start to feel like it's waning, usually there's a correlation between how much am I interceding and praying for people to come to the Lord. So it's a good, good gauge. 
Let's talk a little bit about this one, intercession. Everybody say the word intercession. Intercession, it comes from uh, that word to intercede. is a couple of kind of root words there, enter and to dare. So enter is like between, to dare, or uh, is like to, to go. And so the word intercession literally means to go between. And what are you going between as we're talking about this context of intercession, like prayer? Here's what we're doing. We are going between God and man. Let me say it differently. We're going between God and the destinies of men and women. When you're interceding, this is different than just praying for your own wants and needs. You guys know that? When you're interceding, you are crying out on behalf of someone else that's in need or someone else that's in need. An entity, a group, it could be an individual. But as we're praying on tomorrow for our church, you're interceding for our church. On Tuesday, we're praying for the whole Antioch movement and what God's doing in the nations. You're interceding on behalf of nations. As we pray on Wednesday for Northwest Arkansas, you're interceding. You're going between God and the destiny of men and women in Northwest Arkansas. But here's what I want to just ask you to really wrestle with. Does it matter that you and I go between the Lord and others? Thank you for saying yes. You are correct. <laughs> but it's something that you know the right, we know the right answer, but I, I want the right answer to hit us. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, God allows me, small little human, to come before his glorious throne, to ask him for other people that don't know him or other things that he wants to do, and he will listen to me and then do some of those things? You put the emoji with the just mind blown. That's crazy. What an invitation. And you know there's only one group of people on the planet that has that invitation. The people of God. We're the only ones that have this invitation where God's like, come here. Come here. I'm going to put things in your heart. I'm going to prompt you to pray and ask me for it. And you're going to get my heart as you're talking to me. And then you're going to know that I hear you, and then I'm going to start doing these things, and you're going to see my spirit poured out, and you're going to see breakthrough, and you're going to see people come to know me, and you're going to realize that you, were, you had a part to play. Oh, it's a beautiful partnership. But I just feel like there, God's extended this invitation, like handing out a bunch of tickets to all of us, like, hey, 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 you can come to me. You can come to me. You can ask me for things. It's big and small. And he's waiting for us to cast those things in. But I think a lot of us have a bunch of them in our pockets. I don't know. I, I feel convicted by that myself. I'm like, he's invited us into his throne of glory and saying, ask me for my spirit to be poured out, for my kingdom to come and my will to be done. And I want to say yes to that invitation. And I want to have faith and believe that it actually matters. Let me give you a couple examples that hopefully will also blow your mind here. Um, two examples. One of the old, one of the new. And great, great characters of the Bible. Ready? The old is Moses. Everybody say Moses. Great guy, huh? I mean, I don't know, but I mean, seems like he is in the Bible. And then the New Testament example is going to be Jesus. There we go. Look at Moses, Numbers 14. It'll be on the screen. Um, if you're going through our Bible reading plan or if you're in the Antioch Discipleship School, we've been reading through the Old Testament and finished up Numbers recently. Um and you just see this, um, you see God's heart breaking consistently for the Israelites who he saved miraculously and brought out of Egypt, but they keep turning to idols, they keep turning against them. And they, you see the Lord's anger rise up, 
And in the, what I'm about to read, the Lord pretty much tells Moses, like, hey, I'm about to destroy these people and start over with you. Because I'm faithful to keep my promises, but I only need one Israelite to fulfill my promise. <laughs> I only need one of you to make my promises be fulfilled from, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I just need one. But here is what Moses does. He intercedes. And look at this. Moses says, and now, please, let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised saying, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children of the third and fourth generation. He says, please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. And then verse 20, I just think is, is crazy because I, I love what Moses is doing. He's coming before God and he's like, He's being pretty bold. He's like, God, remember what you said? You're merciful. You're gracious. You would forgive. He's like, he's like reminding God what he already said, which you guys know that the Lord's okay with us doing that. And then he's asking and pleading for mercy, and then here's what the Lord said. I have pardoned according to your word. Look at that last phrase. Wait, so God decided to forgive. He decided to pardon the iniquity. Why or how? According to to Moses' word. Let me just translate that for us here. What if, what if, according to your word, our word, God would have mercy on a people? What if we could come before the Lord, though this generation deserves judgment, we come before him asking for mercy, and, of course, you want to be more specific, praying for North West Arkansas, praying for your college campus, praying for different things, of course. But what if it mattered that God might respond and say, okay, I'll have mercy. Yeah, I'll change the culture of the University of Arkansas because my people are praying. I will change the culture of JBU, and I will set that campus on fire for my glory because the people of God are praying. I will have mercy on Northwest Arkansas, and there will be a shift and a change in this region, and we will walk in the fullness of our calling and destiny to be a place where God's glory dwells, and for many people are trained and sent all over the nations of the earth because my people are praying. Man, I want that to be the response of the Lord. Could it be? I'm just submitting this to you is to, to increase your faith. And let's look at an example of Jesus. It's super simple, but this is such a, a model of his intercession on behalf of the nation of Israel Luke 19, 41, really simple. It says, Jesus, he drew near, and he saw the city, and he wept over it. He wept over it. That is Jesus, his heart moved with compassion over this people. He was weeping because he knew that they needed God, and they were, were turning away from him. So what does this look like for us today? There's this little one-liner in Isaiah 59 that, and says that the Lord was looking down, and, and, and there was no man, and there was no intercessor. Really, it's a prophecy in Isaiah 59 about how the Lord would bring about salvation and bring about righteousness and send Jesus. But that phrase has stuck with me over the years. It says, the Lord looked, and, and there was no man, and he wondered why there was no one to intercede. And as that question has kind of run through my mind over the last several years, my kind of cry is, Lord, when you look down, Let's say on our church, when you look down on Northwest Arkansas, would that not be your conclusion that there's no intercessors there? 
that there's no people willing to come before the throne of God and ask him for his will to be done. And here's a really sobering reality that I, that I hope lands rightly, not in a heavy way, but it is a helpful reality. Some of you, let's bring it home to personal, like people in your life. Okay, how many of you, um, you have somebody in your life, maybe your family, uh, close family, that does not walk with the Lord? Like doesn't have a strong, a real relationship with the Lord? A lot of us do. How many of you guys have a coworker that has not walked with the Lord? Yes? All right, thankfully I don't. <laughs> but here's the sobering reality. You may be the only one that will ever pray for that lost brother, sister, parent, coworker. Like ever. Maybe you've got a bunch of people in that same kind of context of relationships that are wholehearted believers. I mean, honestly, that's ideal. But for some of us, you might be the only one in your family interceding for your brother to be saved. You might be the only worker at, at, at uh, your whatever you, you work. You might be the only student in certain classes where you're interceding and praying for your professor to be saved, your um, classmates to be saved. And I want that to hit rightly, not in a heavy way, but I want that to, to hit us in a way that motivates us to be consistent in this area of interceding and praying. You can also broaden that to think about our region. You know, if the people of, like, who's crying out on behalf of Northwest Arkansas to see breakthrough and see revival and see souls saved? And if it's not the people of God, then who? There's a glorious invitation from God that I want us to say yes to, and I want us to approach the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that God wants to, um, to meet with us in this place as we come before him. Amen? I want to say yes to that invitation. I'm going to have the band go ahead and come on up, and um, I'm going to look at one more uh, verse to close it out, and then we're going to practice this. We're going to come together before the throne of God, and we're going to practice intercession, all right? Some of you guys, this will be uh, new for you. Some of you guys, you've done this a few times before, but I uh, would love for us not just to talk a lot about interceding and praying, but let's actually do it together, all right? You guys okay with that? I'm going to make you do it anyway, so just get ready. That makes you feel uncomfortable. But let me... Um, Close it out with this verse from 1 John 5. One of my favorite go-to verses about prayer will be on the screen because I think the Lord wants us to approach him with confidence. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. It says, This is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. What a sweet, sweet promise. So my question in closing that I want to submit to you is what if we believed that verse? What if we believed that God actually listens to our prayers? What would change if we actually believe that our prayer and intercession changes things? What, I what would change? What would things look like? What would we, what would we do differently if we believed it really really mattered. In short, let me give you my best answer to that is I would pray. <laughs> I, would, I would enter into this place of intercession, and I would lift my voice to the Lord, and I would ask him to come. So let's do that together, all right? Hopefully your faith is stirred. Hopefully this is helpful to be reminded of some of these um, uh, passages about prayer. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. And we are going to, um, we're going to get into groups of about three or four people.
and we're going to uh, take turns praying through the three kind of prayer focuses over this fast, okay? So it starts tomorrow, but we're going to go ahead and start praying now, all right? And so let's go ahead and put the first uh, prayer point on there. The first day, tomorrow, we're praying specifically for our church, and we're praying through the word of the Lord for 2024. We've been around the last couple weeks. I've been sharing this. If you guys were here this past Wednesday at the worship night with our board, they talked about this a little bit. So there's several things that you can pray over the different topics. And so what this could look like is once you're in your group, just you guys glance at this and start praying that God would repair our brokenness, that we would prioritize God's presence and obey his word, that we'd walk in our missional calling, and it gives you a couple other specifics that you can pray under those categories. All right? So right now, go ahead and you can spread out, move around all over this room, but go ahead and turn to a group of about three or four people. Right now, ready, go. for what you're doing in our church. Thank you, God, that week in and week out, you're repairing our brokenness. Your, prior, our, your presence is a priority in our lives, and we are living out a mis our missional calling. We just ask, God, that we would continue to be a church that hungers and thirsts for righteousness and lives out what you have in this city, in this region, and we would see the transformation in our workplaces, in our homes, in this city, at the parks around us. Everywhere we go, we would see the transformation that you're doing in us and that you're going to do in the people around us. Um, because it's you, God, because you can do miracles and bring breakthrough. So thank you, God, for what you're doing in our church. Thank you, God, for the word of the Lord for this church this year. Would we commit to it and would we live it out? In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. All right, hey, we're going to shift gears now and go to our next uh, prayer point. We're going to pray for the Antioch movement at large. And specifically, uh, there is a, a phrase that we've been working with um, across the Antioch movement of churches, and that's that God wants us to be a multi-generational family on mission. And so that's where they get that language from. And uh, there's several prayer points about these different topics, but you're praying. And as you think about the Antioch movement, especially for those of you that are newer to this, just think about literally thousands of people all over the nations of the earth, many in hard and unreached places that need your prayers today, that need encouragement today, that need strength today. So be thinking about them as we're praying, yes, for our movement at large. It's not just an organization. It's not just a structure. These are real people all over the field. We are missions organizations, and they need our prayers today. All right? So same concept. You guys just decide who's praying first and start praying over these different topics and these different themes and then we'll close it out in just a second. All right? Ready, set, go for it. Decide is praying first and start praying. Yes, Lord, we just thank you for this Antioch movement. Lord God, we just thank you that your hand has been a part of everything that's been going on in this movement. God, we just pray that each generation would just take ownership of what you called them to, Lord God, and that there would be just this glory that's passed on from generation to generation, Lord, as just like new generations are raised up in you. God, and when we just come together as a spiritual family, Lord, would there just really be true unity um, when we go to any other Antioch anywhere in this country or another country, Lord, or on short-term te teams, uh, trips um, that meet up with the long-term teams. God, would it just feel like one big family just literally across the world? Um, and Lord, would we just continue to live on mission, Lord God, um, and just be a blessing anywhere that we go, Lord, to just restore, redeem, and reconcile people back to you. Just pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen, amen. All right. Hey, one more round. You guys got a little bit more in you? Yes? Come on. 
Okay, we're working that muscle of praying, okay? The church is a great place to learn how to pray and to be stretched in prayer. Okay, so for this one, you go ahead and uh, give everybody in your, in your uh, little circle a high five because you're about to leave your group. Give them a high five. Go ahead. All right, so thanks for praying with me. All right, hey, we're going to lift up our voice together um, all in one voice, and we're going to be praying for an outpouring of God's spirit in northwest Arkansas. Anybody want to see that? Yes? You told me earlier you did. Okay, so literally there's several things you can be praying for. These are our prayer points on Wednesday. But literally, even just to simplify it, you can just ask God's spirit to be poured out and then lift up people's names, people that you live next to, people on your campus, people in your workplace, family members that they lived here in town. Just lift up people's names and ask God to encounter them and meet with them or pray for some of this stuff, all right? Then after we uh, pray for this, we're going to go into a song and close it out this morning, all right? Let's pray fervently. The Bible says that the effective fervent prayer of righteous men and women avails much. And so let's pray with passion and zeal, knowing that God hears us. All right? Ready, set, go. Start praying for a breakthrough in Northwest Arkansas. Father, we lift our voice before your throne right now. God, we ask you for a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit over Northwest Arkansas, God. We pray for thousands of souls to be saved, for people to give their hearts over to you, Jesus, to bow their knee before the living God. God, we pray for breakthrough at the U of A, breakthrough at JBU. God, would you awaken these college campuses for your glory with the fire of God fall like never before. God, would you awaken this region. We ask for the greatest outpouring, the greatest revival that Northwest Arkansas has ever seen. God, would you mark your people in this region as the people that pray, that fast, that seek your face and ask for your kingdom to come. God, we ask you to move. We ask your fire to fall. We ask you to be lifted up in Northwest Arkansas. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Let's worship together and exalt the name of Jesus over this region. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, let's give Jesus a shout this morning. We love you, Lord. You are worthy to be exalted high above every name. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen, amen, amen. Great job today, guys, stretching that muscle of prayer and engaging in this. I uh, would love for you guys to jump in with us this next few days as we're praying and fasting and continuing to lean into these topics. But thank you guys for uh, taking that first step this morning. We are officially done, so you guys are free to go. If you are brand new with us, don't forget to stop by Next Steps. But hopefully we'll see you guys this week as we're praying and fasting. Have a great one. See you guys.